Good morning, good evening, and good night. Whatever time you're listening to us, you have made it to the Bad Fan Podcast. This is episode five for us here today on YouTube and on Spotify. If you're listening on audio today, um, we're seemingly back up on that, which is awesome. Um, but of course, I'm joined here today with your friend and mine, Brandon Paisnick. What's good? How you doing, buddy? Hey, doing well. Um, the week of sports has been really fun. Um, a lot of news that we're going to cover today. It's just been crazy. I think I'll just leave it there. Yeah, this is going to be possibly the biggest podcast so far. Obviously, we're only a couple episodes in, but this is a huge day for us. We have so much to cover. Um, we're recording this today on Thursday. Uh, we're posting on Friday, but there's so much that happened today in the world of sports, covering soccer, football, baseball, just such a wide variety of things happen today. Some bombshell news. Um, just so many things we're going to cover. We're going to bring it to you today on the Bad Fan Podcast, um, bringing our views and opinions and informing you over the next hour or so. Um, but Brandon, let's hop in and let's kind of start the discussion with some big headlines. Um, in the NFL, um, some big news this week. I'm sure you saw those trades if you're watching this, but uh, Russell Wilson traded from the Seattle Seahawks to Denver Broncos. Brandon, quick reaction before we dive into the de- details. Uh, there was rumblings the past season of if he was going to move, if he wasn't. It seems set, like, no, he's staying in Seattle, all this, that, and the other, and now he's gone to Denver. So that's weird. Um, we see in Russell Wilson in a different set of colors. Um, you know, following the greats, John Elway and uh, Peyton Manning. The sheriff, Peyton Manning. Yeah, so the details of the trade, uh, so you had Russell Wilson and a fourth-round pick in exchange for Denver starting quarterback, sort of quasi with Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, uh, tight end who's had some good times in Denver, um, Noah Fant, um, as well as interior defender Shelby Harris, and two first-round picks and two second-round picks, and then ultimately a fifth-round pick. That is a massive haul for uh, Russell Wilson. I mean... This is one of the biggest trades we've seen. I know I remember the, um, of course, he was also just traded today, Khalil Mack to the Bears um, when he left Oakland. But I think he had three first-rounders for him. Um, we saw a similar trade for Jalen Ramsey, the Rams. So these NFL teams aren't messing around. When they see some value, they're getting it right now. And Russell Wilson is no exception, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a great quarterback. Um he might have not been playing at his best the past couple seasons, but we know what he's capable of, and Denver knows what he's capable of. So hopefully they'll be getting, or they'll they'll be hoping they're getting uh, the old Russell Wilson back. Um, but man, they really did give up a lot for him. They did, yeah. I mean, Russell is just one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's always found himself to be an established quarterback, sometimes finding himself in an MVP race. Definitely. Um, but for some reason, whatever that disconnect was, whether it be Maybe he had a different vision for where he wanted to take Seattle as a team or if it was something between him and Pete Carroll. We don't really know. Maybe it was the front office, but it doesn't matter because now he finds himself in Denver. Um, and a similar story that someone was surrounded by just a, a whirlwind of rumors, Aaron Rodgers, legendary quarterback, reigning MVP this year, uh, actually has opted to stay with the Green Bay Packers, um, signing a huge deal, I think making uh, north of $40 million per year. Um just again, another unprecedented move that people didn't see happening. Um, A lot of people were saying, 
you know, he'd be traded to a new team, similar to a Tom Brady situation where he wanted out and he was going to get the exit he needed. But here we are. We're here today talking about him probably going to retire as a Green Bay Packer. Um, this is huge for the organization, I think. Um, and hopefully a move that, you know, can settle some of the drama surrounding players. You know, there's so much like talk of people moving all the time. And I think it's just a way to get some new stories going, but I'm hoping Aaron can finish strong in green Bay. Um, but you want to tell us about the next big move that happened with quarterbacks? Yeah. I'll just say the news has been following Aaron Rodgers the whole past year. Did he win MVP this year? Yeah. He won MVP. Yeah. And after that season, like you're going to want to keep your quarterback of course, the news follows him, and it was following him in other ways um, as well. But I don't think anybody really saw him staying, and he did. So that's crazy. The next person is Carson Wentz uh, from the Colts to Washington. Is it Commanders? Gosh, unfortunately, yes, it's Commanders. <laughs> uh, it is what it is. But um, yeah, the Colts will receive the 2022 third round pick a 2023 third round pick um, that could escalate to a second round pick. If Wentz does play 70% of the snaps, um, maybe that's in there because he might get injured. I don't know. That's an interesting little thing that they would throw in. Um, and also a 2022 second round pick um, where the commanders receive Carson Wentz and a 2022 second round pick. Um, so couple um, picks traded is it good value <sighs> that's yet to be seen um you know when he's playing really well he can be pretty great but uh he's in my opinion pretty mediocre but yeah and the the Colts saw some leadership issues with him you know the inability to just want to push you know take a team further and harder um, I think that's probably why we saw him out of Indianapolis um, the aforementioned Khalil Mack today going to Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers may be taking a note out of the Los Angeles Rams uh, book where you want the big-name players where you got to give up some big spots. So the second-round draft pick and a six-rounder for, I think, a 31-year-old Khalil Mack. So he's still able to perform, still able to um, be involved with the defense, um, the edge rush maybe, um, seeing him make some big plays. The Chargers also just re-signed Mike Williams, who had a great year this year. Um, over a thousand yards, which is great for wide receivers, 76 receptions and uh, nine touchdowns. So really a good performer to solidify that Chargers offense that has Justin Herbert at the helm. Um, where will they go in his third year? Um, I'm sure they're seeing themselves as being contenders again. Um, but do you have any thoughts on the Chargers moves today? Yeah, I think they're building a really good team. They were, they were pretty good last year um, with a young quarterback, you know, just another year under his belt, you know, is going to knock out some of those mistakes, hopefully, or at least that's probably what they're hoping. Building a good offense. Now they have two of the best pass rushers. And uh, is it Joey Bosa? Yeah. On the Chargers? Joey. Yeah, one of the Bosas and now Khalil Mack. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be good again and trying to rival their other L.A. Um, <laughs> family or friend, whatever you want to call them. Um, so, yeah, they, they should be good this year. Yeah, that whole relationship with the Rams and the Chargers, one is so strange. I, I think the move to L.A. was a huge mistake for the Chargers. It's just you're always going to be overshadowed by the Rams. I don't think your San Diego fans wanted you to leave. It's just, I don't know. I think it was a bad move for the Chargers. It's just awkward having them be in the same stadium as the Rams. 
I don't know. Weird move. Do you have a soft spot for uh, San Diego? I do. I do. I love me some San Diego. Have some family in San Diego, but uh, that's besides the point. They shouldn't have left San Diego. It was a I bad agree. move. Maybe we'll see them back there in a couple of years after LA does not work out for them. Yeah. Um, but aside from the NFL, we are approaching uh, baseball season. And if you are following along with the past 99 days of coverage, you will know that the MLB has been locked out since December. And finally, thank the Lord, the lockout has ended today. The Major League Baseball Players Association and Major League Baseball have finally reached an agreement to end the lockout. Gosh, this has just been... It's crazy. It's been crazy. It's been, for one, as fans of just baseball in general, you were just held in suspense if we were even going to have a season, where we're going to miss games, where we're going to have to make things up in a weird way. It's just we've already had a shortened season in 2020 with COVID, and last season you had games without fans. So we haven't had a normal season, it feels like, in forever. And I hope this one feels normal. I'm thinking this will finally be like a full great season again. Yeah. Um, But it ends the second longest work stoppage in the game's history. Um, so we'll see players starting to report to spring training this Sunday, March 13th. And tonight, I think the biggest thing people have been waiting for is finally those free agents can start making some moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the biggest names out there for us, it's Freddie Freeman. Will he be staying in Atlanta? Will be he, will he be following the money to places like New York Yankees or the L- Bay Dodgers? We even had, apparently this week we heard the Tampa Bay Rays were involved. Um, so we'll be looking at big names like him. Um, Correa out of Houston. Will he return to Houston? Is the offer big enough? Who do you have your eye on in the the free agent department this offseason, Brandon? There's a lot. I mean, those are the biggest two, I think. Um, Whatever team they go to, they will make an immediate difference. Now, I say that, but if Freddie goes to the Dodgers, let's say, like they're just going to be favorites to win it again. And just it's it's not moneyball it's the, it's the opposite of moneyball <laughs> i don't it's know what, what it's called it's just big balling whatever <laughs> big ball you want to call it yeah. big ball i don't know whatever yeah it's uh, i don't want that to happen but it very well could you know he's from there so we'll see but korea is interesting and there's also i think trevor story still out there so two really good shortstops in the mix should and be even for the Dodgers, you have Clayton Kershaw, who's still looking for a deal. Yeah. And again, it's you know you expect these guys that are hometowners have played with one club their whole career, that they would want to stay, that they won't want to have the hometown discount maybe. Um, but it seems like for a lot of these guys, they may not get that discount, um, especially with some of the new rules with the CBA. We have um, the increased minimum salary, so teams are going to have to spend a little bit more on those minimum players. Um, we'll look at the raising competitive balance tax threshold. So teams that want to spend more money, essentially, I think it just means you can spend a little bit more money. Uh, the luxury tax wasn't raised as much as teams wanted. So a team like the Dodgers, like the Yankees, the Cardinals, teams that want to spend a lot of money can't necessarily do that, which keeps the balance good for low spenders like the Miami Marlins, Tampa Bay Rays, the Athletics. Um, so that's one of the introduced things with the new CBA. Um, we have a draft lottery for, I think, the six lowest teams. So this is posted to sway tanking. Um, you've seen this in the, in the NBA. Um, the th- top 14 teams, I think, in the NBA, maybe 16 teams, have a chance, you know, differing from 25% to, you know, 1% with 16th place. Um, so that might be a good thing for Major League Baseball. 
I'm not entirely sure how it will work. Um, another thing for the player that's positive is the amount of times a player can be optioned to the minor leagues will be limited to five times, um, which might be helpful to develop players, keeping them in the majors for longer. Um, but it also could be a bad thing if they're not doing well. How do you, um, you know, manage that? Mm. Um, an expanded 12-team postseason format, I haven't seen how this exactly works. Have you taken an eye at it yet? No, I think it's just to bring more money into some two different, you know, two different teams um, right. once October comes around. Um, we'll see how it works. I, I don't know the details, but I think it's interesting. I don't know if it'll affect the game all too much, but maybe more to fight for towards the end of the season. So, you know, sort of inputting that competitive nature um, towards the end of the season. Um, so that'll be cool, maybe. Um, the other thing that I really have wanted, and you might feel differently, but the universal designated hitter, thank God the National League is finally doing a DH. It's just what I think everybody wants to see. You want to talk about entertainment, put a DH in uh, universally, and, and, and they're doing that. I don't know if that takes place this year or next year, but it's coming. I think if you had asked me prior to the 2020 season – if I wanted a DH in the National League, I would have told you no. Um, but I see now the advantages of it. Obviously, you know, if, let's just talk about Freddie Freeman for another second. His contract can now be potentially a year longer than had the National League not gotten DH because, you know, the longevity of him playing DH instead of first base every day might be a helpful thing later in his career, you know, when he is in year five and he's 36 years old. So mm -hmm. I see the advantage there. However, I think baseball for a long time, we've sort of touched on this a little bit with analytics and stuff where, you know, they pride themselves in certain things. And baseball has been America's pastime for such a long time that it has traditions and it has ways of being unique. And there was a way you could differentiate between the American League and the National League. It was that, you know, designated hitter or having the pitchers hit for themselves. And so it was special when you had those pitchers that could rake and we had mm -hmm. you know the last silver slugger for the national league will be max free like he will be the last one to get a silver slugger so there's some cool you know unique aspects about baseball that are kind of quirky that i enjoyed as a fan you know growing up loving and watching baseball almost every night like i enjoyed that aspect of it but if we're talking money if we're talking entertainment value and we're just trying to bring in you know people who want to see a more casual viewing experience the Universal DH is a great move for Major League Baseball, and I think we'll see a positive impact on the game because of that move. Definitely. Um, I think the other thing we'll see potentially is a um, international draft, so I think that'll probably make it easier, I'm assuming, you know, for international players to make their way into Major League Baseball. Perhaps a more balanced affair, maybe instead of like one team having the scout like the scout on one guy scouting rights yeah, yeah it might be a, an easier way to make it in i haven't exactly examined that yet um but steven our in-house baseball expert um we'll have him on soon to deep dive and give us a better idea of what that might look like steven couldn't be with us tonight but we want to make sure he's back with us soon so we can figure out what the cba looks like the nitty-gritty <laughs> the things that maybe we don't quite understand yet i mean this is fresh literally you know early in the afternoon today this dropped and we're just like bombshell. None of this was expected. So mm -hmm. this is fresh news for us. And we want to try to make sure you guys are informed on what that looks like. Um, but in other things across the pond, we have some champions league football that happened this week and we gave some predictions and the biggest game, the biggest reaction that happened was PSG Paris St. Germain 
failed to exercise their Champions League demons this week and literally crashed. I mean, like, they were like a meteorite, an asteroid that crashed into the earth out of the round of 16 against Real Madrid. I mean, Brandon, what happened? How do we, like, how do we comprehend what happened to PSG the other night? Yeah, you know, they get the first goal in the game. They go up 2-0 on aggregate. Um, And the game was fair. Like, both teams Mm -hmm. were creating chances. Um, And then uh, Pochettino for PSG, the the head coach of PSG, must have not given a good uh, halftime speech because Real Madrid came out firing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we said, I think Kareem Benzema had... Was it a penalty? No, so... Um, early on, the first goal that Real Madrid scored was uh, Gigi Donnarama was trying to play out of the back. That's right. And I think he got a little bit ambitious, or maybe he was scared. You had uh, Marquinhos, who was, I think, supposed to be his man if he needed a drop um, out of the box. And Marquinhos was in front of the box. And Hakimi probably wasn't where he was. He was out of position. So Donnarama was looking for an outlet, couldn't find it. Benzema pressed so well, uh, yeah. got the ball cleanly away from Donnarama. And then I think it was um, um, Vinicius Jr. Oh, Vin- Vinicius, that's right. Yeah, Vinicius Jr. was there and put enough pressure on Marquinhos where he was able to find Benzema in the box to put it away 1-0. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess 1-1 at that point. And yeah, and that's all created by Benzema, basically. Yeah. So he <laughs> created his own goal for himself. And then the next two were in really quick succession as well. Um, yeah. Two really good goals. Uh, good team goals and just Benzema just showing his class, man. He's he's often overlooked, uh, but if you know soccer, you know how much he brings to that team. And man, he's so good. I think it was Arsene Wenger, former Arsenal manager, now kind of a figurehead in the world of football. He said that Benzema is more or less like a fine wine. Like he's just getting better and better as yeah. you know as he gets older. And we we talked about this with other players. I mean, like Ronaldo, we thought he's like a fine wine. Messi's like a fine wine. But Benzema hasn't been doing it in a huge spotlight. It's hard to say that when you play for Real Madrid, but right. you know, I think a lot of people overlook him because he was in the shadow of Ronaldo Madrid for so long that he's been there I think like 13 years and he has Most put of his in, career. Yeah, he has put in so much for that club and this might be paying off for him finally where he can win a, a Champions League title and him be the center man about it. Um Luka yeah. Modric put in a great shift. Um mm-hmm. he he really showed up and showed out. Um, but Benzema getting the hat trick was a difference. Um, the biggest things that we saw rumors of afterwards was some meltdowns in the PSG locker room. Uh, rumors of Neymar and Donnarumma having a feud. Um, mm-hmm. They put out on Instagram that it was some fake news, um, some media outlets that are notorious for coming up coming up with fake stories, <laughs> and they were trying to to put those things to rest with. Uh, I think it was a WhatsApp text between the two saying, hey, you know, like stuff like that happens. You got to pick your head up and uh, move on to the next one. And I think it was like a nice big hug in the text. But um, also PSG's owner apparently as well, like went in storm, like the referee room. So a lot of tempers flaring and we can't even talk about, you know, what is Pochettino's future? What do you think? Is Pochettino going to make it to the end of the season? Is he going to make it to the summer? What's next for him? I don't know. PSGs can they, they can just be embarrassing sometimes, man. They have all the money in the world and can't, you know, just can't do it. And I, we talked about that last week. Like, are they ever going to win it sooner? Maybe never. Uh, it, it's probably never. Uh, Pochettino, highly regarded in the world of soccer, uh, just a great coach. But 
PSG is probably looking at him like, hey, you have the best striking group in the world, arguably. Um, maybe not even arguably, probably outright. I mean, what Neymar, <laughs> Mbappe, Messi, Messi, and don't forget Di Maria as well. Yeah, Di Maria coming off the bench. Sometimes they'll play four up front. I mean, and you can't. And it's not like the rest of the team's trash either. Like yeah. they have Donnarumma. Like they have a really good team, and they just can't do it. So I think Poch might be on the hot seat. And that just opens up more rumors for him going to Man U this summer, yeah. Um, which is what people have been talking about for forever now. Uh, maybe he wants to come back to the Prem, and that might be the opportunity to do so. Who knows? We're going to get into this later, but with Chelsea and a little bit of turmoil, does Tuchel leave and he might, Poch might come in, take a stab at it? I don't know. Probably not, but I don't know. If, you know, it's, it's PSG. Yeah. I mean, it's just that was a whirlwind of a game. So just so many talking points coming out of it. A lot of uncertainty for sure. But um, and a little bit more certain of things. Uh, we probably could have seen this one coming. Um, but Bayern Munich just absolutely destroys Harvey Salzburg. Uh, Lewandowski had a hat trick, I think, in the first 24 minutes. Mm -hmm. And he finished the game with an assist as well. Mueller having two goals and assists. Sané, two assists and a goal. I mean... This Bayern what team say, surely dude? has to be just maybe the best in the world up there with Man City and Liverpool. It's just hard to to talk anything negative about this team. Right? Yeah, they won seven to one on the day, eight to two on aggregate. Which um, um, they also did to Barcelona. Never forget. <laughs> I did forget, but wow, <laughs> yeah. And you know, sometimes when you're they they get out of the spotlight and you sort of forget about them, yeah. they'll come up with something like this, and you're like. Okay, let's let's start looking at Bayern again because they just so, they're just so consistent. Yeah. Um, every year they just have great players um, in this team. They still have Navary on their team, Coman. Like they still have Neuer in the back. They they just they're good. They're very good. Um, so I would be looking for them to make a deep run again this year. Um, I mean Lewandowski. It just goes without saying, the best or the second best striker in the world. It's him or Kane for me. Um, yeah, man, they, they did it. But it's it's worth mentioning our boy Brendan Aronson, the American, assisted the one goal in that game. So good for him <laughs> with the yeah. uh, World Cup qualifiers coming up, uh, keeping some confidence. But, yeah, unfortunately they crash out of the Champions League. You know, it's, it is hard. It's, you know, I think going in many – People never saw them going through, but they had a great first leg. Mm -hmm. And for them, they probably would have taken a result that was a little bit less embarrassing. You know, take it 3-1. Yeah. Um, but to see it go 8-2 to two on aggregate is not any way you want to go out of Champions League. Um, but, yeah, it's a young team. You know, we'll talk about Brendan Harrison, I'm sure, in some World Cup discussion throughout the year. Um, but, you know, a guy like him, he wants to continue to grow his career and maybe wants to elevate to a bigger team. Um, playing Champions League football at such a young age is going to be huge for his career, um, and having a you know at least a showing against Bayern Munich surely will put his name um, in the lights and put the world on notice to what he can do. Um, but moving on, we had Liverpool. Um, they moved on two to one in aggregate. Um, Man City uh, making it look really easy five zero in aggregate against Sporting, um, but Liverpool kept it a little bit close against Atletico. Um, I think. You know, you always thought they were going to make it through. They just have superior players all around. I think it was Inter, actually. Oh, yeah, Inter. I'm sorry. You're right. 
Um, enter and it, it didn't help that Enter got the red card. Yeah. Um, it just yeah they 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 scored right after the red card, but it's still it's once you do that against such a quality team, there's just no way you're fighting your way back into that one. Yeah. Unfortunately, not um, with Van Dyke in the back, and just they could they could pass the game. You know, they could play keep away for the rest of the game if they wanted. They're just so good. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember them having any chances. I'm talking about Inter. They might have had one towards the end, um, but it it they didn't really ever seem like they were going to win that game. Man City, the second game actually, um, Man City against Sporting ended zero zero. So that game was probably really boring. <laughs> I watched, I watched snippets of it and it was yeah it wasn't much i mean for sporting yeah they have something to hang their hat on yeah he held man city to no goals and i think it was still a decently strong lineup for man city mm. um you know they have such depth that you could probably say that about their full second team they're always going to have good players <laughs> yeah. on the field um but you know again we never saw sporting making it through against such a class team mm-hmm. um, but next week you know we'll be keeping our eyes on man U and atletico Apologies for earlier. Um, Ajax Benfica, uh, that one's tied 2 2. Um, Juventus Villarreal, tied 1 1. And then Chelsea and Lille. Um, I don't think Lille fight their way back into that one, but obviously we'll keep our eyes on it. We'll it's see. Champions League football. Anything can happen. They were literally the French champions last season. Mm-hmm. And so anything can happen, especially, you know, we'll talk about it now, well, in a little bit. But Chelsea and their situation, will they even have the resolve to fight through that one? We'll find out. Um, but the Premier League still happened today. Um, we've had so much going on that we forgot Premier League football <laughs> happened today. Um, I didn't. You well, you were involved, so your team played today. Um, Villa take on Leeds United today. Uh, give us a rundown. What did you see? How would you feel about the game today? Um, great game from Villa. Um, Leeds weren't the worst looking ever, um, but they didn't look good. They looked bad. Uh, they had a stint, maybe about ten minutes, where they looked like they might have, sco- might have, might would score, but didn't happen, obviously. And then um, Villa just—they just have way better players. And I, I mentioned this was it last podcast, two podcasts ago, when Stephen and I were talking about who might be going down. Mm-hmm. Leeds is just filled with championship level players, and that's just—it's just really obvious today. Um, I feel bad for them because Jesse Marsh just came in and now that, you know, they're fighting relegation. He doesn't have enough time to establish the way he wants to play. They went from playing this Bielsa ball where it's just everyone knew at every single moment where to be, where to pass all these crazy things that they've been drilled to do. And they just look, they looked a mess today. They, they look like they didn't know where anybody was supposed to be um, just making mistakes. Couldn't pass the ball. It was bad. And it, you know, it made me think about, my comments on the last podcast, they could very well be going down. And I, and I not joking, like it's, it's scary. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll see. It is unfortunate. Jesse Marsh has come into a tough situation. Um, you know, the players, can they buy in with his new system and with enough time left in the season? Um, but you know, Villa just looks like the winners from the get go today. Um, mm-hmm. Philip Coutinho continued his form. So um, good. Looking dangerous, getting the goal, um, helping his team that 3-0 win. But, you know, looking at the bottom, I mean, Everton has some games in hand. I think they have three games in hand. Burnley has two games in hand. So when you look at Leeds, you know, those teams, 
we we believe in. You know, Everton, they should be a club that can dig themselves out of a hole. They should have enough talent somewhere in that team. You know, the back line maybe is what the weakest point is, um, but they should have plenty of attacking power. We've seen what Calvert-Lewin can do, where Charleston can get in on a run. I mean, you have those new guys, Deli Alley and Donny Van de Beek. You have quality in that team, so they mm-hmm. should be making it above that relegation fight. And Burnley had just shown that they can grind out results. They can. I mean, they beat Tottenham not too long ago. They they have the most draws in the Premier League right now. They know how to get some points when they need to. Mm-hmm. I think they'll find their way out of safety, but it just depends if Leeds can find their form or not under Jesse Marsh. But um, we'll see. Elsewhere in the Premier League, Newcastle today took on Southampton, and I mean Newcastle is just a new team, aren't they? <laughs> Unreal form, right? I think it has to do more with the coach than any players that they brought in. Um, it's insane the run that they're on. I mean, they, they're they undefeated in the last nine Premier League games with six wins. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, that is – not many teams go on that form, <laughs> uh, you know? Uh, so, good for them. You know, I, I want them to stay in the Premier League. They will be staying in the Premier League now. They've established that. Um. I'm just good for them. They're they're having a good time right now, and it's it's sort of fun to watch. Yeah, and Bruno, the new uh, signing, he had a wonderful backfield goal. Beautiful. I mean, that was the winner. I mean, it was just amazing. I think mm-hmm. he went off the field injured at some point in the game, so we'll see if um, you know they'll be missing him if he's out for a significant amount of time. But an important win again for them. I mean, they are mm-hmm. continuing, like you said, to show that they want to stay in the Premier League, that they belong, and that this isn't some sort of fluke. You know, with the new investors and the owners that they want to try and build something there. Um, whether it works out in the long term, it remains to be seen, but it seems like this season Newcastle will be staying up. On the other end, Watford and Norwich today did not look like they belonged in the Premiership for much longer. and looks like they are getting ready for life in the Championship. Both, I mean, embarrassing maybe is too much to say, but Watford certainly didn't help themselves today. An own goal at their own end, and it just didn't look like they were able to do much. Um, Norwich going up against Chelsea, um, that Chelsea team we'll talk more about in a second, um, putting them to bed. So, you know, I don't think there's much hope for those two teams. I think at this point they got to start packing their bags and getting ready to fight their way back up again next year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they're just those yo-yo clubs. I hate to use that stupid term, but they do that, you know, Mm -hmm. Watford, especially they love going down and beating up on the championship coming back up and struggling and then switching managers four or five times, crazy stuff, and then go back down. Um, But they're both being good hands, you know, with Dean Smith. Um, I don't know if Watford will keep Roy Hodgson as their coach. Uh, I doubt it, but... It it did feel like a steward role for him. It'd be hard to see him staying long-term. I think he was sort of just trying to, you know, right the ship. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's hard, you know, when you're dealing with a situation like Watford and... Um, I think they're still missing Asmelia Saar. I think he's been out for them. So they're sort of missing that attacking threat. And they certainly didn't look like it today. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be another yo-yo season, I'm sure. Um, they'll probably dominate at the championship level. Yeah. You know, and we can get more uh, cycling GK Ben Foster vlogs in yes. the championship. So yes. the, life won't be the too bad. In the goal. Yeah, the that's what we want. Goal. If you guys uh, don't know about it, the goalkeeper for Watford makes vlogs and interviews and stuff. He he's really entertaining, so you should check him out on YouTube. The Cycling GK. The Cycling GK. Um, what do we have on the ballot for the weekend? What kind of games we got coming up? 
couple big ones and these are just more in regard to the top half probably i mean the top six top four you would say um brighton versus liverpool so liverpool is drawn uh two and lost one in the last three matchups versus brighton mm-hmm. um however brighton is on horrible form they have not won since january 2nd um and they have also lost their last five um so maybe they're looking to turn their form around against one of the best teams in the league um you know it's a massive game for both of them for liverpool right. to keep pace with man city for brighton to you know be that thorn in the side of liverpool maybe get a win and keep that mid-table form up um, because villa's coming up newcastle's coming through um, wolves still look good so it's it's going to be an interesting interesting game what do you think yeah, I mean, Graham Potter, I think a lot of eyes were on him, you know, maybe even getting the yeah. Tottenham job in November and even in the summer. So he's a guy that in English football, people have a lot of regard for, and he's supposed to be one of those bright minds. So I'm sure he might be the thorn in Liverpool's side, you know, maybe keep it to 1-1 draw, or if he can keep it close to one loss, maybe. I mean, again, it's Premier League football. You know, we hear quotes all the time. It doesn't matter if you're on the bottom, if you're on the top, if you're in the middle. These teams are going to play each other tough week in and week out. Um, obviously, you see some, you know, a difference in the quality of teams. But, you know, on a good day, a team like Brighton can beat a Liverpool, get a good draw against Liverpool. So, you know, I wouldn't put it past them to get a result, especially mm-hmm. when you've been in a poor run of form. Getting a win on a, you know, against a Liverpool would just be huge for their season. You know, might see them keep that top 10 form. Uh, but we'll see what it looks like. Um, we have another game coming up. Crystal Palace, Man City. Um, Palace won 2 0 last time out in October. So I think Man City has lost three games all season, one to Crystal Palace and then twice against Tottenham. So, you know, <laughs> anything can happen, right? <laughs> Might they just lose the double against Palace? It'd be crazy to see. Um, but this might be a slip up for City. What do you see in this one happening? I don't know. I can't see it happening, honestly. It is a potential banana skin for City, but. They're flying right now. Um, Crystal Palace is in okay form. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, any team can be anybody in the Premier League. So Crystal Palace, they're at home. They'll be ready to go out there, um, have the backing of their fans, which they have great support. And, um, you know, they'll be looking for that win at home. So I, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll yeah. be a fun game, hopefully. Looking at someone like Zaha, who could be that big playmaker for Crystal Palace, for sure. Yeah, and they have a couple youngsters that are really good, like Elise. Mm-hmm. Um, so a name for himself. Coming up from Reading, mm-hmm. we have a little bit of familiarity with Reading in the past, but um, yeah, he's trying to make his way into the team. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe he'll make a big move if he continue his uh, rise to stardom. Uh, the game of the week for us is Manchester United versus my team, Tottenham. I mean, I think we've discussed this. this is by far the biggest game of the weekend. So much at stake for these two teams. We talked about it last podcast episode, but two teams vying for the top four. Champions League football is on the line for these teams. Arsenal is in the driver's seat right now, um, but teams like Man U and Tottenham are fighting for their lives, clinging on to any hope that they can get. I mean, these have topsy-turvy form. It's been winning and losing, winning and losing. So anything can happen, um, but it's huge, huge, huge game. Um I think for me, like, I want to give the edge to Tottenham. Um, I just think that they've been seeing this game for a long time. Um, unfortunately, you know, they had a slip of form in the FA Cup against Middlesbrough, but I'm sure they've had this one circled on the calendar for a long time. are going to be ready to play in this one. 
Yeah, you know, it's that hunt for top four, like we mentioned in our last podcast. Uh, I, I don't know how to predict this one. It's all really tight within that top top eight, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a very, very big game for the rest of the season. Um, like you said, Arsenal is in fourth with a couple games in hand at 48 points. Manchester United has 47, and Tottenham's at 45. So three points either way will be very big, uh, very crucial for the rest of the season. You know, I have allegiances to both Man U and Tottenham. I have a couple friends, Man U, my mom's Man U fan, um, and my best friends, Steve and Cole, are Tottenham fans. So I'll say a draw. I think it'll be a very good game, though. It might be messy and sloppy, which will be fun. Um but yeah, three points either way would be huge. This is a uh, quick side note, quick anecdote. I have a question for you. I don't know if you've been keeping up with the world on the internet and what the, the big question of the week has been, but I saw a video today that Tottenham put out and it was the boys in the locker room right after training and it was Ben Davies and Harry Kane talking, bringing in Matt Doherty in the conversation. But the question is, Brandon, do you believe that there are more wheels or more doors in the world. Give me your quick response. <laughs> I, I keep going back and forth. I'm sure there's more wheels if you're just considering like that that don't have to be used. Like if you're if you consider like gears or just anything that spins. I don't know. I guess we don't need to get too technical. I'll say wheels, but I have no clue. My initial thought is wheels as well, but you start thinking about like cupboards. You have car doors. You have you know tiny doors. Like there's so many places you can put a door. But I just think. But then you have bikes, motorcycles that don't have yeah. doors, but they have wheels. Right. You know, ATVs, wheelbarrows, like all. I don't know. It's just my my know. initial instinct is there are more wheels than there are doors. I'm gonna stand Me with too. it. Let Me us too. know what you think. But we're both going <laughs> wheels, standing firm together on that one. Um, but anyways, <laughs> just wanted to get a quick anecdote on that. Back That's to what's fun. important. Um, gosh, this story just keeps developing. Obviously, this has a huge connection to what's going on in Ukraine involving the Russian invasion on Ukraine. Um, But Russian oligarch Roman Abramovich, former owner at this point of Chelsea Football Club, finally has personal sanctions against him um, with his connections to Vladimir Putin and what has been going on in Russia. All his British assets have been frozen. So there's a lot of things riding on this, lots of ramifications. Essentially, what this means right now is that Chelsea cannot be sold unless the British government gives like a special unique okay to this. Um, So a lot of things, let's get into some of the details. Um, Right now, if you wanted to buy a Chelsea jersey, this is not possible. Uh, We have a a little bit of a graphic showing today, if you try to go into the Chelsea store, you would be met with this sign that says, due to the latest government announcement, this store will be closed until further notice. So this is crazy. Like you can't buy a jersey. You can't buy new tickets to the game. These guys can't sign new contracts. Like there's so many things going on. Um, I mean, there's so much that travel restrictions. So if the club, they play in Lille in the upcoming week in Champions League, they now have a restricted budget of what they can even spend to get their team to France. So it, it goes beyond that. We'll talk more. The... Any broadcast and prize money will be frozen. Um, away tickets cannot be sold anymore. Uh, they've had sponsors pull out. So their 
three on the jersey the mobile company has suspended their sponsorship of the club which means now they'll probably have a sponsorless jersey will will nike follow suit their kit provider will hyundai their sleeve sponsor follow suit um the club is up in the air right now as a whole you know there might be point reductions they might be out of the top four race now there's we've never seen this happen before um this is such a unique situation it's fluid it's changing every day um, i want to talk a good bit about this but brandon what are you digesting right now what are you making of this situation with chelsea football club i have no idea you know i feel bad for their fans because i think it's only as of right now from what we know only season ticket holders can go to the games because they can't sell any new tickets they can't make any profits so is the stadium going to be empty? You know, how, how does that work? Like, I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, because not all the tickets are sold for the season right now, right? Like all the away games and they're basically going to be playing behind closed doors or like, there's no way that'll, that'll happen. Right. I have no, I have no idea. So my understanding is anything I think that has been sold prior should like should still be okay. So let's just imagine they have 25,000 season tickets. I believe their stadium holds probably 45,000 people. I actually was just there in January, oddly enough. So maybe I went to one of the last few home. Yeah, I had a great time. As a Tottenham <laughs> fan, I was really like keeping my mouth shut. I mean, Tottenham didn't have much to cheer about that day. But the point being that um, the fans – are very supportive, so they should have plenty of season ticket holders. Mm. I think they'll mostly be unaffected, so we shouldn't notice a dramatic difference at home games. Um, but the biggest thing we'll see is the difference on the field. I think the you know most memorable impact will be they might be playing in like plain old jerseys. If Nike drops them, like I said, these companies drop them, they might have to head over to a Sports Direct store <laughs> and just buy some plain old like generic no-brand jerseys, slap some numbers on them, and that might just be the new look Chelsea. It's um, crazy. Have a Chelsea logo on the chest, some like old-fashioned looks back in the day, you know, before sponsors and all that were in the league and a simpler time. So some people like myself might find the cleaner look an attractive thing. I did enjoy the kind of more outlandish look Chelsea had this season with the jersey. Um, but all that to say, this is just an unprecedented situation. And it yeah. is a very unfortunate thing for the fans, you know. Chelsea fans get a bad rap, you know, for being spoiled. Um, even today against Norwich, it's so unfortunate that you still hear people cheering for Roman Abramovich even during moments of, you know, reflection and silence for what's happening in Ukraine. So, you do have those fans that are, you know, you could probably call them a mean word. Um, <laughs> I'll refrain. Yeah, we won't be that bad today. It's just, it's just crazy. It's I I I'm speechless in trying to explain it. Um, I think we saw this coming. I, I think I had an idea something like this was on the table. I mean, we saw him, you know, when he was trying to sell the club, I think he was trying to save face of the idea mm-hmm. of having it snatched away. But yeah. now it just, it's, it's been done. It's, it is what it is. And the ramifications down the road might see some players like Azpilicueta, um, Antonio Rudiger, um, Christensen. So that's three members of your back line that if this extends into the summer, you'll have zero chance of resigning them. They're already linked to other clubs, you know, prior to this happening. Mm -hmm. But now you literally may have no chance of keeping these players. And if it is seized by the government or if there's a new owner coming in, that wage bill was a wage bill that Roman Abramovich could cover. 
new owners may not be able to cover that. So do you see this, if it continues in the summer, do you think we'll see the same Chelsea on the field next season? That's what I was going to say. I, I'm starting to feel bad for the players too. Because mm-hmm. um, as it stands, they can't be sold because the team can't make a profit off them. Um, so what do they do? They can't terminate their contract. Can they still get paid in the means that, you know, because the contract's already been decided, but like the contracts are based off of money that will be coming in. Right. Like, so I don't know how their contracts currently are going to be paid out. Um, then, then, yeah, like you said, like if they, if the team actually does get sold and Britain pass, you know, allows it like whoever's coming in, are they going to pick up the same wages? Or are they going to have to renegotiate a whole slate of contracts? Like, dude, I, I don't want to, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm probably worried right now. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. Like you said, it's unprecedented. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm sure the premier league will try to be as fair as possible to, you know, to the players and to the fans, of course, right. and to the city. Um, but who knows at this point, who knows? Yeah, I mean, they already have a special exception, the fact that they're mostly able to perform their daily tasks as a club, yeah. playing games, and I think there's a special fund for employees that'll still get paid. Good. But it's just, it's crazy, man. And I'll say this, I think this is a very important note, is that all along, the Premier League, fans, Chelsea, everyone across the world, and this is a very similar situation to what's happening with Newcastle as well. We all know these owners and what they're affiliated with, with their home countries, um, particularly with Roman Abramovich and him and Putin, that he's been in his affairs for well over two decades. So we knew he had sort of a sketchy background coming in, but the money talked. The -hmm. money talked before it came down to human ethics, much like the Saudi Arabian takeover with Newcastle. We know what the Saudi Arabians have been doing in recent memory, yet we've allowed them to come in and take ownership of a club. And I think for me... The Premier League should have taken a stand then, and they failed to take a stand against Newcastle as well this year, that they shouldn't be allowing owners like them come into football. I think it's not good for football. I think it's a bad look. If you wanted people to spend money, they're probably going to spend money anyways. Find better owners that have better backgrounds. It's probably hard to find someone with a billion dollars in their bank account to do so. (laughs) Then leave it to the fans. Find a better way. Um, The product in the field, it'll be fine regardless. But I just think these ownership groups are um, need to be better vetted, and guys like Roman Abramovich probably should not be owning teams in the world's greatest football league. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot to talk about. Um, if yeah, there's more news that comes back, can of worms. we'll uh, dive back in this story. But um, we do want to keep moving on um, in the podcast today, um, and as we always do, we love a great transition from European football to the MLS, our home in America. <laughs> Um, the second best league in the world. <laughs> Depending on your point of view, I did see. You know, Just I've kidding. seen some talk from across the pond and people across the world that, and you know, there might be some respect garnering for MLS. You know, people like Neymar keeping their eyes on the league. Um, there is a bright future, and I think people mm. are starting to recognize that. Um, there is so much room to grow for the league. It's just a matter of what steps they take. Um, but what's been going on in MLS recently? We had the Concacaf Champions League. Uh, you've done some research. You've probably seen some of the highlights. Catch us up and what we need to know about the CONCACAF Champions League and then less teams involved. Yeah, so there were four games this week all involving uh, MLS teams, and none of them played each other. So that's sort of weird, but that's just how it goes, I guess. 
Um, so New York City played Comunicaciones, and Tati Castellanos, their striker, uh, the had a goal and the Golden Boot winner that we talked about in our second episode. Yep. Yeah, um, great player. Um, had a goal and two assists. And then Maxi Morales had a beautiful goal. Um, and then Rodriguez to put the game away. It um, it wasn't close. I mean, the game was at 1-1 in like the 60th minute. So, ooh, maybe some, some nervousness there. Mm-hmm. But New York City showed their class over Comunicaciones. Um, and I'm sure they will take it into the next round. Um, so that then you know the next games are are next week, um, and they'll be away at Comunicaciones. Um, the next game is Seattle versus Lyon. This is Steven's team, and I'm wearing this jersey for Steven because he can't be here tonight. <laughs> uh, but finally, they're proving him right by demolishing Lyon uh, three nothing. Um, Freddie Montero scored two, and Jordan Morris, the American, scored one. They just they handled the game for the most part. Um, Leon's a good team, but Sounders just, they really are just way better. And that'll, uh, be, that'll be good for uh, Jordan Morris, get on the score sheet, build some confidence yes. for him. I, I don't know if he's still even fully recovered from that ACL tear he suffered when he was supposed to be out on loan, but that'll definitely build some confidence for the American there. Yeah, definitely. And moving on, New England versus Pumas. I was expecting this game probably to be the closest mm-hmm. out of any of them. Um, because Pumas has a pretty good history, and we know New England's pretty good, so uh, it it wasn't. <laughs> um, legit scored, and Buxa scored two, um, winning the game three nothing against Pumas. Um, I think they pretty much dominated the game too. So it's you know MLS, yeah. But the next MLS the, team, the American MLS, yes, yeah, the United States <laughs> MLS teams. Now we move to Montreal who really should have lost to Cruz Azul um, like for nothing, in all honesty. Uh, Cruz Azul was all over them, had so many chances, had like tap-ins that they just didn't put in. Like just crazy, 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 crazy. They only won one nothing, um, but it was the old Galaxy player, the youngster Uriel Antuna, uh, who scored. Um, and like I said, they just left the door open for Montreal to come in on that second leg. Montreal will be at home in the second leg. So maybe Montreal would be looking to score two goals, take it, you know, take it in the next round. But I don't know. Cruz Azul is pretty good. So we will see. Yeah. Hanging by a thread, but there's a thread still there. So yep, they can exactly. still make their way, claw back into that tie. Um, but, you know, the MLS, we've been hoping that this might be MLS's year, that they can finally get that CONCACAF Champions League trophy under their belt. Um, but they still have a lot to play for. Mm-hmm. Um, those other three teams definitely put themselves in good positions. Uh, Montreal has something to play for. Um, but, you know, that's CONCACAF Champions League. They're not easy games. It's not mm-hmm. easy to go and play teams across the continent um, into Central America, you know, play in some, you know, some hard stadiums that are not friendly sometimes mm-hmm. um, they can be loud they can be a little um maybe abusive yeah <laughs> ambunctious um so it's not easy we've seen that in the past with a couple different teams um it was a little bit different in the past year or two with covid restrictions but um the mexican teams typically still beat the american teams 
Sometimes you saw Honduran teams um, get in the mix, but regardless, it's not easy. And that's why we haven't seen an MLS team win yet. Um, but this brings us to our last real segment. We're calling this one Fast Five today. Um, Brandon, we're going to start giving our predictions for the weekend coming up. Our five games that we think you should be keeping an eye on, um, watching over the weekend. And we're going to start with NYCFC versus Montreal, two teams that we just talked about in the Champions League. And on a different conversation, if it was different teams, we'd be talking about how the Champions League team would be at a disadvantage having played earlier in the week. But both teams have. Montreal is the one that lost. Inherently, it's got to think that New York City has the advantage. I'm going to take them with the win. i probably see a nice 2-0 win. Uh, I think they're playing at home, which it's mm-hmm. Yankee Stadium. They're always going to have the advantage in Yankee Stadium. It doesn't matter who you are, what time of year, they're always going to have the advantage. So I'm giving them a 2-0 win against Montreal. I think that's fair. The reason why I chose this game for the Fast Five is because neither of them have won yet this year, and they're both in Mm. Champions League. So it will be a good game. They they both will want to win, get their first win uh, under their belts. If Montreal's wearing those good jerseys, those beautiful jerseys, the Maybe they have now. a chance, but uh, I'll go NYCFC. I think it'll be a fun one. Uh, I'll say 3-1, though. Seattle, LA Galaxy. This will be a slugfest. This will be an exciting game to watch. LA Galaxy just beat Charlotte at home. Seattle in the midweek beat Leon 3-0. Man, again, this will be a tough game, but I'm thinking like a 3-3 draw would be so fun to Oof. watch. Um, I can just imagine now the Chicharito brace. Maybe LA is down late. He gets the equalizer. I'm taking a 3-3 draw. Oh, that's a good guess. Um, Seattle has yet to win the MLS. I know we only had two games, but they're killing in the Champions League. They need to bring that form into the MLS, and I Mm -hmm. think they will do it this week at home. Um, I think it'll be a 2-1 win for Seattle. Okay, very good. Colorado at home versus Sporting Kansas City. Colorado coming off the 3-0 win against Atlanta United. Sporting Kansas City coming up with a 1-0 win earlier in the week. Um, if it's in Colorado, I mean, playing in elevation, I'm assuming it's probably cold in Colorado right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it snowed this past week. So that gives them an advantage. But, you know, Sporting Kansas City has played some good games in the cold before. Um, I think I would love to see Sporting Kansas City win on the road. Um, maybe just getting that one goal difference. Um, I'll give them the 1-0 win over Colorado. Yeah, I think it'll be a good game. You know, it's so funny. Atlanta United has just played both of these teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked pretty good against Sporting KC, but they didn't. Sporting KC didn't look bad against Atlanta United. Yep. Um, Colorado absolutely slaughtered Atlanta United. Yeah. So I think it'll be a good game. Um, it's at Colorado, like we said. Um, I'll go... With the uh, the home team, I'll say Colorado two one. All right, fourth on the list in the fast five. If you're counting with us, we have Portland versus Austin FC. The high flying Austin FC Verde, having scored ten goals in two games, I think it's time to see this rocket ship come back to earth. I think Portland takes this one at home. Um, they've got a good squad. Um, and they've been fighting for some results. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin FC has been flying, but against a team like Miami and Cincinnati, you know, that's not a lot of proving ground to establish yourselves as MLS, you know, like consistent winners. So I think, you know, these are a lot of good games. I'm glad mm-hmm. we have this on the slate for the week. Um, Portland though, I think has some firepower that Austin might not be able to handle. 
Um, I'll take them getting the win. Um, it might be like a 2-1 um, result looking close, but I think Portland's got to get this one at home. Yeah. Um, you know, Chara with the bicycle kicks in back-to-back weeks. If he does it a third time, I think they win. I'm going to say he doesn't do it, though. I will go for actually a tie here. Um, I think they will draw 1-1. I think it will be pretty entertaining watch. Um, but if I had to choose a winner, probably Portland. Yeah. Awesome. And the last one, near and dear to our hearts, Atlanta is taking host to the newbies, Charlotte FC. Coming off a tough loss to Los Angeles Galaxy, Charlotte is in an embarrassing loss for Atlanta and Colorado being 3-0. For me, you know, Atlanta's got to bounce back this week. Uh, being at home in front of their huge crowd, they'll have lots of support coming into the week. I'm sure a lot of fans will want to see Charlotte for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting, you know, I think it'll probably be open to 45,000 people. I'm expecting there to be a lot of Atlanta fans in the stadium at Mercedes-Benz. Um, they need to win. I think if they want to build some confidence, we might see the introduction of Tiago Amada finally. He arrived mm-hmm. in Atlanta. It might be you know too short a time to implement the team to start. Maybe we see him come off the bench, as well as Santi Sosa. Uh, maybe a chance for him to break into the lineup. So a lot of question marks surrounding. I know Atlanta for sure. Charlotte's still trying to find their footing in MLS. But for me, Atlanta at home, a team that's looking to rebound after an embarrassing loss, I have Atlanta winning at home. Yeah, Atlanta winning at home, I think, like you said, they have to. Um, but Charlotte will be ready to fight. I think they probably want to start a little rivalry with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be cool. And I'm sure a lot of their fans will travel down. It's only like a four-hour drive. So um, that will be cool to host a brand-new team and host a whole new set of fans who will probably be really excited to come to uh, the most beautiful stadium in the country. So, um Atlanta at home for sure, but man, they could they could just choke, couldn't they? I could just see Atlanta United now just not putting it together and giving handing Charlotte their first win. Um, I don't know. You know, one of those old rivalry games back when uh, it was Orlando. You know, we're the we're the father of Orlando, uh-huh. but one of the first games at Mercedes Benz against them was a three three draw, and Dom Dwyer had a late goal. So, you know, maybe he's got it in him <laughs> again. This new rivalry against Charlotte, if he plays, um, but. We'll see how it goes down on Sunday um, on the big stage. I think they'll mm-hmm. uh, be playing that mid-afternoon game Sunday. Um, but what a week. I mean, this has been a full week of sports, of news, just groundbreaking stuff that we haven't seen before, the MLB lockout ending, some huge NFL moves. I mean, this literally just might be one of the biggest off-seasons for these you know, sports like the NFL and baseball. And we're in mid-season form in the Premier League, and we have some bombshell news coming out of Chelsea. I mean, I'm calling this the biggest podcast ever for us. I, <laughs> I mean, think it's fair. No matter what media outlet you are, this has been a huge week. Um, but we're really grateful to have made it with you guys this far in. Um, if you've been listening and following along with us, um, this has been a blast. I mean, this is so fun just to talk about everything that's going on. You know, not a lot of times you have so much to talk about. So it's been great to try and fit in this hour session with you guys today. Um, but yeah, you've made it. If you're on YouTube, we'd really love it, you guys, if you have not subscribed already, to go ahead and do so. If you like the video, leave a like. If you have some constructive criticism, maybe leave a dislike, leave a comment. Um, Let us know. uh, Is it more doors or more windows? Really curious about that. Yeah. Um, Give some predictions about the weekend. Uh, What do you guys think? Um, Is Chelsea 
and some deep, deep doo-doo. Are they going to be able to stay in the Premier League? Some kind of sanctions coming in. Um, but this has been uh, episode five of the Bad Fan Podcast, guys. Um, you're hopefully watching this on YouTube, uh, maybe listening to this on Spotify if we have it sorted out by the morning. Um, but we're really grateful for you guys being Bad Fan listeners. Um, I've been Cole Carter. He's been Brandon Pacenick. And we will catch you guys next time. It's been good. Peace out, you guys. We'll see you.